0: This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. So God has supernaturally
1: intervened in Mary's life, and it's going to require investments, but the dividends are huge. Mary rationalizes. She listens to the words of the angel. She expresses her doubt, but she's open to belief. And then she moves to step two. She accepts. Verse 38. So when Mary says, I'm your servant, let it be to me according to your word, she's saying, okay, I get it. This may cost me dearly, but the fact that God has decided to do the miraculous thing in my life pleases me more than any fear I might have of the repercussions.
0: Today. Today. Today today, with Jeff Vines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Do you believe in miracles? Or are they just a thing of the distant past and don't happen today? In this Christmas series, Pastor Jeff is helping us to rediscover the wonder of Christmas. In this message, he's speaking about miraculous wonder. Join us now for the rest of this joyful and thought-provoking message. Pastor Jeff has been reading from Luke chapter 1, verse 6.
1: So God has supernaturally intervened in Mary's life and it's going to require an investment, but the dividends are huge. Mary rationalizes. She listens to the words of the angel. She expresses her doubt, but she's open to belief. And then she moves to step two. She accepts. Verse 38, I am the Lord or I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, Luke 1, Wish we could break this down, but let's unpack it just a little bit. Here's what she's saying. She's saying, I don't fully understand this. But that doesn't change what I do understand. God has spoken and this will happen. Now notice she does not say, I accept God, this is a good plan. I'm totally down with this. No, she marvels and she wonders because she knows this is going to cost her something. God's going to do something amazing in her life, but that amazing thing may not be understood by everybody else or even believed. Think about it. Mary's going to be pregnant and everybody knows these are small towns and she doesn't have a husband. You know, what is she going to say? Yes, I know you're staring at me. I'm praying, but don't worry. God's the father. You talk about ridicule, shame, blasphemy, and death by stoning. So when Mary says, I'm your servant, let it be to me according to your word. She's saying, okay, I get it. This may cost me dearly. But the fact that God has decided to do the miraculous thing in my life pleases me more than any fear I might have of the repercussions. She accepts And then third, she seeks community. You know, I put this, she tests, but she seeks community. So she questions, she accepts, and then she tests, or she seeks community. She goes to Elizabeth. This is important. She goes to Elizabeth. At first, it seems to get a second opinion. Now, wait a minute. If you're faithful, why are you running over to Elizabeth? Because the angel, as proof, as exhibit A, that God was going to keep his promise to Mary, what did the angel say to her? Even your cousin Elizabeth, who said to be barren, is in her sixth month. So, what does Mary do? First thing in the text we read, she runs to Elizabeth. Well, I'm gonna test this, and I'm gonna test it by somebody that I trust. You say, What is Mary doing? Here's what she's doing. I believe that she just wants to make sure this is not a self-serving, psychosomatic type of faith. She wants to make sure: did I talk myself into this? What did I really see? I need to test this with somebody that I trust. So she goes to her cousin Elizabeth. She she takes what God has done in her life to her community in order to test the spirits, to test what you think that you've heard and you've seen. So when Mary goes to Elizabeth, a part of Mary probably was wondering, man, when I tell my, you know, she had to walk there. When I tell Elizabeth what happened, what is she gonna say, girlfriend, you tripping? No, what's she gonna say? But instead Elizabeth, a trusted and respected friend says this, Luke 1, 42, 43, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Man, when you hear somebody that you respect and is older and wiser say that to you, you talk about affirmation. It's like gold. Elizabeth's older, wiser. She's Mary's confidant, her friend, her accountability partner. And basically she says, Mary, this is not a contradiction to your beliefs. It's the fulfillment of it because I've seen God's hand on your life from the very beginning. Man, you know That's gold. Back before my anxiety, there was a season when I thought about maybe my time at one and all at the end was Christchurch's Valley is up. Maybe, I, maybe this is it. And I called a friend of mine who's over in Arizona. Said, look, I need to come visit you because I've got some things I'm struggling with. Things just weren't going well at the time. And I thought, maybe this is not my calling. Maybe I should go back into coaching basketball. But that's safe. That's safe. Some of your coaches think, no, it ain't. You think it's safe. I go and visit Cal, Cal looks at me and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Every calling is tough, Jeff. And I've seen you, ever since I've known you, God made you for this church. And that was kind of like gold to me. Because when you hear that, you think, okay, that's it. No matter what happens, I'm enduring. When you know. So no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your emotions are, without the test of community. So when you're part of a community, you better be a good one. Or you can be led astray, and you can give up when you're so close to the greatest experience or adventure of your life. Mary takes it, she tests it, and then forth she moves forward. God came to Mary. She responded in the humblest possible way. Now listen, she reasoned, she doubted, she surrendered, she connected with others, and finally she said, all right, let's do this thing. Let's go on this great adventure. And for every sacrifice Mary made for Jesus, Jesus gave up infinitely more for her and to her. Now... The good stuff. You say, well, that was good. Okay, fine. Is this not what we all really want? I mean, come on. Is it not what you're really after to know that God is involved in your life all the time and is willing to bring something from the outside in and that you could notice it and experience? How much encouragement would you have if you knew God was working in your life every day? To know that your life truly mattered, that it was extraordinary. But do you understand how that's tied to two other things, and these things are inextricably tied to each other? One, obedience, without understanding everything. So when there is a supernatural intervention, and you hear from God, see, if you don't obey, mediocrity. If you obey without having to understand everything, that honors God. And then something else happened. It's a catalytic approach. Suddenly, every day you wake up, and you're actually looking for the supernatural intervention of God in the natural world. See, if you're part of the enlightenment, you don't even bother looking for it. And if you're not looking for it, I guarantee you won't find it. You say, Jeff, are you talking about miracles or supernatural intervention? I'm glad you asked that. Just hold on. Mary knows that this has been a miracle. And suddenly, she starts singing a song She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. What's really interesting about that song is those two ideas are taken from Isaiah and Psalms, both of which are messianic prophecies. She knows exactly what's going to happen. All right, let's deal with this. Here's your next next objection. Okay, I got it, Pastor Jeff. Here's my question. Why does God not do more miraculous things? You remember what a miracle is? An extraordinary welcomed event that is not explicable by natural or scientific law and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. Now the virgin birth, that's a miracle. Somebody who has stage four cancer goes to the doctor, it's gone, that's a miracle. These are clear-cut cases visible to all of us. But there's the other side of the miraculous and it's the supernatural intervention of God in your life. Divine Interruptions, divine interventions. And those are things you'll never see unless you understand how God works and look for how God works in your life. So I was in New Zealand, and uh, I was going to the doctor because I was getting ready for a speaking tour, and I was not able to speak. Something had gone on with my voice. So I went to the doctor, and I said, look, what's going on here? And I told him, and he gave me some medicine. And I said, man, thank you, because that's going to enable me to speak when I'm in Australia. You know what he said to me? He said, aren't you a Christian? I said, yeah. He goes, why didn't you just ask your God? I said, I did. He sent me to you. <laughs> Supernatural intervention, not necessarily a miracle, but it's just as real. Remember the story I told you years ago? I looked it up. So there, I love telling the story and then more information comes out so I can share it with you. Mark Durantz, 12 years old, Sunday afternoon, 1988 down in Florida. He goes out into the woods, he tells his father and mother, I'm gonna go out, you know, the Florida, you have all the swamp areas, all the wooded areas, but you also have snakes, rattlesnakes, very poisonous rattlesnakes. So he tells his mom and dad on a Sunday afternoon, he's gonna go out and play. The wooded area is probably 200, 300 yards away from the house. He's up in a tree, he jumps down off the tree and jumps onto a rattlesnake. Rattlesnake bites him around the ankle. Suddenly, he felt this searing heat around his ankle. He starts getting dizzy, fatigue and he passes out 200 and some yards from the house. Basically, the venom is is moving so quickly, he's going to die. Suddenly, he finds himself laying down on the kitchen floor of the home, and his mother finds him. She calls the father. Together, they lift the boy. Their phone's out of order. It's 18 miles to the hospital. They get in the car trying to get in there as fast as possible. The car overheats. So now he's on the middle of the road begging somebody to stop. And finally, some workers stop and take him the rest of the way. Dr. Susan Short, so you can Google this. Remember that name, you can just to make sure Pastor Jeff's on the level. Dr. Susan Short came out and told the family it's doubtful that he's going to live. And she said, It's out of our hands. Now I never know what people. What do you mean it's out of our hands? Well, whose hands is it in then? They waited for the son to recover or to die. The mother and the father, while they're waiting, he's in there two days, not recovered. The mother and the father are talking to each other as they kind of put pieces together. And you'll have to read the story, but they're thought, how did he get from the woods to the kitchen floor? Because basically that's what saved his life. Well, Mark did recover. And as soon as they recovered, he recovered. I mean, you can imagine the parents were just weeping. And these two parents, neither of whom are religious people, and neither is the doctor. How did, you get into the, how did you get into the house? Here's what he said, and I quote, a man in white carried me home and placed me on the kitchen floor. He told me that I would be asleep and in pain for a few days, but eventually I would be all right. So he said I was at peace. Both his parents and the doctor told him not to go around saying that. But still today, living in Florida, and now you can go on YouTube and see this man who's 46 years old, He will tell you still to this day that he was carried in the arms of an angel. Now, I know your objection because it was mine. Here's what you're going to say. Well, why doesn't God do things like this more often? The truth is, you don't have enough insight or information to come to such a conclusion because you're only aware of what you can see. The unseen eludes you. What do you mean? My grandmother prayed for me when I was a young boy. It was quite a treacherous walk to school and back, and my grandma would always pray that God would protect her grandchildren as they walked to school and come home. Now, nothing ever happened to us. Did God protect us? But here's the problem. You don't know how many times. How many times did God put in our little minds, hey, you need to go home another way? How many times did God say, you need to go through the the cow pasture, because we'd often cut through the cow pasture. Today, you need to go around the back. How many times, because of my grandmother's prayer, did God spare us from danger? See, we have no idea of knowing. You have no idea of knowing. You're not infinite. You're finite. You have no idea how many times God says this far and no further. You don't. You're not because you're not God. And so we're in Australia last week and my friend Clive Rahurui is with me. He organizes all the speaking events and the radio interviews. He gets a call from a friend of his. And I don't want to use names here, but the friend is a very famous musician in Australia. And his 20-year-old son just tried to commit suicide a few weeks ago. So we're there, Clive gets a call, and this famous musician says, Clive, where are you? I, I, I need you to come talk to my son. We're afraid he's in a dark place. He tried to commit suicide. It didn't work, but we're afraid he's going to do it again any day now. Can you come and help? Where are you? And Clive said, I'm in Sanctuary Cove. And the guy said, Sanctuary Cove? That's two miles from my house. I thought you were in America. Clive went over, sat down with the young man. So Clive sits down and talks to him and says, you need to understand something. There's dark and there's light. And those voices you're hearing in your head are come from a very dark place. And he said, but how do I get rid of them? He goes, Jesus Christ said he's the light of the world. Invite him into your life and the light will expose the darkness and you'll be healed. Now, here's my question for you. Did God know six months ago when we booked our tickets in this trip that there's going to be a man, a young man, who needed this man to save him. And so he made sure the trip happens on this week, at this time, on this day, and that Clive was in proximity to save the life of this young man. Is that a miracle? Is it divine intervention? Absolutely. But see, if you keep trying to explain everything away, it doesn't matter what God does. You're never going to believe it. And let me tell you something about God. He loses interest He loses interest in intervening in your life if he never gets the glory for it. That's the whole point of why God does what he does, to compel those who are far from God to come near. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, here's what we read. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Do you know your children that you're holding in your arms right now? You know, your children that see the beside, do you know they all are ascribed, they are prescribed a specific angel designed to watch over them. They see the face of God. They see the life of your child. Well, then how come some children's harm comes to them? You're not smart enough to answer that question. You're not. You don't have enough information. Only God can connect all the dots of every event that takes place. You're just not smart enough. But it doesn't change the fact that God exists and with God all things are possible. The problem is not the absence of the supernatural, but rather our failure to acknowledge God's divine movement and as a result of failure to live the most exciting life possible. I'm telling you that you and I live in times of the enlightenment and we have been impacted by the enlightenment. So we explain away supernatural intervention. We're unable to recognize it when it occurs and we refuse to give God the glory for the supernatural interventions into our lives every single day. That's why our lives are mediocre. That's why we're depressed. That's why we're anxious. When the angel gave Mary the news of the incarnation, God, do you realize Christmas is supposed to remind you that God is willing to intervene in human history. And he has set up a universe where he's constantly inserting something into your life from the outside. Christianity is about God's willingness to supernaturally intervene in our lives for the rest of our lives. Look at the whole story. Who told the wise men to go home another way? Who prevented Herod from killing the Christ child? Who sent the Magi home by another way? God's supernatural revelation and intervention is all over this Christmas story. Now, I know where you go from here. I know where you go, because I did. But Jeff, why doesn't God intervene in things like cancer and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's? Once again, you don't have enough information to make that claim. You're only aware of those illnesses that have been healed or not healed, right? Somebody gets healed, okay, or somebody's not healed. You're not aware of how many times God prevents the illness, you don't know how many illnesses he's prevented in your own life. You got no clue. And the only way you know is if you got it. With God, all things are possible. Jeff, that's, I know you're not, Jeff, that sounds like to me that you're making an argument from silence. But that's the whole point. There's too much of what we simply don't know to draw any conclusions. But the incarnation makes something certain, something we can be sure about, that God is not reticent to intervene in our lives that's Christmas. But Jeff, God's decision seems so arbitrary. How does God decide who he's going to heal and who he's not going to heal? Do you realize the insinuation is this? Because I made it most of my life. If I were God, I'd run this universe differently and I'd do a better job. But that's the point, isn't it? I'm not God. I'm limited in information. I am unaware and unable to connect all the dots the way he does. I can't take a disadvantage, turn it into an advantage, and bring beauty, pattern, and design out of chaos. But he can. Now quickly, there's something else, and then I'll give you the homework. Judges chapter seven, verse two. Remember the context. Gideon is going to lead the Israelite farmers into battle with the Midianites. He has 35,000 men, and there's 135,000 Midianites. They're well-trained warriors. The Hebrews are farmers. They're gonna be devastated. Gideon is invited to a board meeting with God, and Gideon thinks he's gonna get special instructions on how to defeat these well-trained warrior Midianites, and instead, well, he gets this in Judges 7-2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me what's he saying? I know, I know the odds are really bad, but they're going to have to get worse because if they win this victory now, they're going to claim credit. But if I reduce them to 300 men against 135,000 and they win, then they'll know the only way possible is God. I'm telling you that we're in, we have been influenced by the enlightenment as a result. We don't believe in the miraculous or the supernatural. Even when it happens, we don't see it. And because God doesn't get the glory, be careful of explaining everything away because what is explained away often goes away. And that's why there's great revival right now in Africa and Asia and South America because it's the type of first century Christianity that believes God will intervene. We're just far too smart for that, aren't we? Too rational. In the words of Malcolm Muggeridge, we've educated ourselves into imbecility We think we know everything, we know nothing. So will you make a commitment with me? I'm asking you to do four things. Number one, from now on, as we wait for revival to come, will you acknowledge the supernatural? Will you acknowledge God's willingness to enter your life? That contract that you got, you didn't get it, God got it for you. That raise that you got, God was working behind the scenes. That clean bell of health that you keep getting, you don't think that has anything to do with God? Then when you get sick, why do you pray to him? Is God a responsible for bad health, not good health? Be careful of explaining everything away. What is explained away often goes away. Two, will you pray for the supernatural? Every day, God, please intervene into my world, my job, my kids, my health, my marriage. Please, God, supernaturally intervene. But make sure your ultimate prayer to God is this as Mary said, here I am, may it be to me as you have planned. Because knowing and seeing that God is using you for eternal purposes is a far greater value than granting you a peaceful, pain-free, easy life. You can endure the what when you know the who, right? And three, if you're going to acknowledge and you're going to pray for then look every day for the supernatural. Look for it. Every child believes in God until they're taught differently. They're too innocent and wonder-filled to deny the miraculous and the supernatural. It's only when mom and dad don't believe and tell them there's no God or act as if there's no God that they lose their faith. You and I have blinders on. It stifles our expectations, and we rob God of a primary way to glorify himself, And most of the things that God wants to do in our lives, they don't happen because we've written them off. Can I ask you again? Believe again. Will you believe again? Will you look at Christmas this year and say, Exhibit one, God is more than willing to intervene in human history and intervene in my life. Acknowledge, pray for, look for, anticipate because Christmas reminds us God is not constrained by the natural laws he has created. He's not a prisoner to them. He can feed in a new and special event into the natural world anytime he wants. And then finally, four, celebrate the divine interventions even when they may require something from you. She says, my soul, Mary does, magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Now listen, I wanna end like this. We were having uh, a budget meeting, I just love them, this past week with the elders, and Jesus Ariaga, who is our chairman of the board, gave a devotion. And when he gave the devotion, I'm thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta look that up. And he's talked about how they have developed powerful listening devices that can actually hear the voices or sounds of trees. So I looked it up. Sure enough, Not that I didn't trust Jesus, I just wanted more information because that's really good. That's preachable stuff right there. So David George Haskell spent three years listening to trees, three years with high-powered devices, and he discovered that every tree has its own voice. Each tree sings its own song. When I read that, I thought of Isaiah 55, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees praise and worship the supernatural intervention into the natural world. There is a natural world created and governed by the supernatural. The trees know it and the rocks know it and that's why they sing. We seem to be the only ones who don't. If you and I will pray for, look for, celebrate the God who willingly intervenes in our lives, perhaps, just perhaps, he would be more than willing to do so more often. Then the wonder will return, we will recapture the wonder of God, recapture the wonder of Christmas, the wonder that teaches us God is not reticent to supernaturally intervene in your life if you will pray for it, look for it,
0: and celebrate it. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Fiennes. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for "Today with Jeff Finds" wherever you listen to podcasts. You make me wanna dance and sing with every single breath I breathe. I will break this offering. You are my one, You are my wonder. Today. 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 With Jeff Finds.